And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a Friday show, best day of the week. Ari Wasserman is here. We've got lines, we've got totals. We've got to figure out what the shocker is going to be because it feels like this is the week the shocker usually comes each year that you know the, the week before rivalry week uh 2015 i believe uh we had the ultimate shocker in columbus when uh when michigan state went in there and beat ohio state and, and they forgot that ezekiel elliott was on the team in the second half uh that that's one of the potential shockers we, we promise you, if you listen to to tuesday night show ari and i promise you we're gonna we're gonna reveal the games we believe might be the shocker because there's just gotta be one so Ari, let, let's get right into well, that. Well, there's one thing that you're order. forgetting, Andy. What's that? It's not just totals, and it's not just uh, spreads. There's also give-up meter. We're going to try oh, to predict yeah. whether or not that. teams have given up. There's two individual teams, I think, that are on the list that you sent me of just like, forget the total, forget the spread. Does this team have a, any sort of fight in it, or is it a completely given up on their coach? Oh, I, I think I know which teams you're talking about. <laughs> I, I think one of them lives near me. And, and another one is a team that you've recently turned your back on. So the, that that's very yes, apt observations right. I, on your part. I I had not thought about that, but you're absolutely right. And as I look at the lines for both of those games, I'm like, okay, that yeah, this is uh this could get interesting. So, but let's start with the shockers because I, I do feel like this is always a, now the SEC has sort of changed its schedule, so it's not all SEC teams playing the FCS opponent before they play their rival, they, they, they made it, they realized that was a problem. So they split that up. So now half of them do that last week and and half of them do it this week. And you've still got the ACC teams doing it in some cases, but it feels like there's a little more meat on this bone, but even still people go into this week and be like, Oh, there's nothing going on. This is going to stink. And then something just blows your mind. So let's start out. Let's start out in Columbus because I, I will say the most mind-blowing result of the last 10 years, and I realized that Michigan State team was good and that Michigan State team won the Big Ten, but that Ohio State team was probably the most talented team in the country when that happened. Michigan State is an 18.5-point underdog in Columbus. Could that happen again? Is that well, possible? Pay- Peyton Thorne has to get injured, right? Because the backup quarterback has to play to. to... Oh yeah, and the kicker has to do the windmill. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the only um, way. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't remember what the spread was in 2015, but that was the craziest game I think I've ever covered. Um, and you know that team I think was a little bit better than this current Michigan State team. You know, this Michigan State team is punching above its weight, I think, and is achieving things a lot quicker or even bigger than anybody would have imagined. But I think there's a difference between out uh, doing your initial, 
expectations coming into the year and being a legitimate national championship contender the way that other Michigan State team was in 15, even though they were much worse from a from a talent standpoint than Ohio State team was. That was a legitimate, you know, top 10 team at the beginning of the year that kind of, yeah. you know, played it its way through. was a 13-point dog in that game, by the way. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, this is similar. And I will say, you know, in my time covering Ohio State, there was no bigger thorn in Ohio State's side than Michigan State. You know, I know Penn State and, and I've, has given Ohio State issues, and I've given James Franklin a lot of credit for the way that he's prepared his teams in those games. But Michigan State historically cost Ohio State a shot at the national championship in 13 and 15. So, you know, I don't know exactly what to expect in this one. You know, I, I'm a little bit alarmed by Michigan State's uh, pass defense. I think it's one of the worst in the country, and I think that's a very bad combination with the team that they're playing this week. Wait, so uh, that's a problem if you're playing the team with the best receiving core in the country? That's, yeah. I, that's, so That's a negative. You know, but at the same time, too, it's like I've spent a lot of time looking at these games saying, well, this is going to be a blowout, and, you know, I've been wrong. And I'm very curious and kind of hopeful that – Michigan State will give us a game on Saturday because that'll be that'll be really, really cool. And, you know, they seem to be a team that doesn't give up when they're down, which I think is also crucial. So if you're in a 10 point 10 point game in the third quarter, I don't think you can close the book on this Michigan State team, which is also a pretty good trade for them. I, I have a hard time already predicting this as the shocker. I don't have as hard a time saying, hey, if you feel like you think Michigan State's going to cover, go for yours. Because I, I I have a hard time predicting a Michigan State win outright, but if you feel confident that they can cover, and I mean you go back to that Michigan game when they were down and out, down and out, that it just kept on coming, like, and and I I feel like Mel Tucker, although his sample size is pretty small, has been able to get his teams up for big games. You know, go back to the the, the one year at Colorado, they played Nebraska in a big game that was kind of a rekindling of a rivalry, an old conference rivalry game, and and they just came and played out of their shoes in that game. Uh, go back to the Michigan game and the Northwestern game last year when Michigan State was not very good, and they, they won those two. They're the only two games they won, and it felt like they got up for those. They're going to get up for this. Ohio State, I, they're, they're going to be up for it, obviously, because Michigan State's a good team, but Michigan is still next week. So it's that that is one of the harder things going, by the way, is, is getting up for – both of those teams when both those teams are good. Week, yeah. You know, week after week. You know, last week when the Purdue spread was what it was, you know, everybody was saying to themselves, oh my God, how could a top 25 team that's upset two top five opponents this year get so many points? And I think a lot of people lost money betting on Purdue last week. And I think <laughs> if, you were, and if you're outside looking in on this, you know, you might say, holy crap, that's 19 and a half. Michigan State's the number six team in the country. You know, they've played teams tough. They came back uh, from a deficit and beat Michigan. That's a lot of points. But, like, to me, this game kind of has, like, 44 to 20 written all over it. Like, I don't know that I would take the points in this game. I, I See, I feel like if you're confident in Michigan State, take those points. It's, it's almost It's one of those touchdowns. games where we're going to know in the first quarter whether you're right or wrong. So that's the, that's the know, good news. I know, I know. I know that's that's because it, it could be just ugly. It that and you saw that last week with with Ohio State and Purdue where they just stepped on the gas and and it was over. Um, so I, I don't I am not comfortable picking that as the as the shocker. Let's stay. Well, in just the what is your shocker? What is your shocker? I'm Do you know what you're going to pick? Yet. Oh, because I'm like eager. I'll tell you. I'll tell I, you I right have, now. I have I have one that I, I have my eye on. Okay. So, All right. We'll go down the list naturally, and when it becomes the time, here's, then here's, it's time. Here's another one 
that I, I thought about for a second and then dismissed because one of the complaints we have about one of the coaches in this game actually suggests that there's no chance it can be the shocker. So that's Michigan, 14.5-point favorite at Maryland. And you think, okay, Maryland is on the right day, can be pretty good. But what, what has our complaint always been about Jim Harbaugh? They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They never beat the teams they're not supposed to beat. It feels like he's, he's maybe turning that around. Uh, they beat Wisconsin as an underdog this year. But they're, they're going to beat the team they're supposed to beat. That, yeah, that's, I, I don't so think I'm, that this... I'm, I'm throwing that out. I'm with you. I don't think that there's any shot. And the first time Mike Loxley beats a team in the top 15, I think will be the first. So, you know, unless one of the Texas games, Texas was ranked pretty high in the beginning of the year. So I don't know that off the top of my head, but Mike Loxley hasn't really done a pretty good, a very good job of showing up for big games. And when I looked at this, it didn't even occur to me that this could be one of them. I I would lay the points here, I think. Here's another big one. This is one, I'm not including this in the shocker category. Because I wouldn't be shocked. So Cincinnati is a 10.5-point favorite against visiting SMU. The total 64.5 in this game. If you've watched Cincinnati the last four weeks, would you be shocked even in the slightest if SMU won this game? No, not at all. I think SMU is an auto bet here. You know, we do a picker's pool on The Athletic every week. Uh, Me, Dan, Santa Marita, and Chris Vanini, and... Jason Starrett, and we all picked SMU here. So maybe this is kind of one of those spots where uh, it's a tricky you know, one where they show the ESPN <laughs> thing with all the all the SMU yeah. logos and and since he beats them by forty, yeah. Because I, I think Cincinnati is much better, and SMU has a really good offense and a experienced quarterback. But you know there are times too in the past where where SMU has shown up to big games and not really gotten out of the tunnel. So you know to me, I think SMU. This is the thing, Andy. I don't care what level of football you play, what conference you play in, or how much better you are than your peers. It is very, very hard to go through an entire regular season without losing at least once. And maybe Cincinnati got those losses, quote-unquote losses, or close losses out of their system, especially when they escaped an overtime situation potentially with Tulane a few weeks ago, or Tulsa, sorry. Um, You know, that might be the case. Um, But and you also have to take into account, too, that Cincinnati has no chance of making the playoff at all, in my opinion, unless they are sexy on the way uh, to the final rankings. So, you know, that might be too, a part of it, too. But I think SMU well, you, you is a pretty good the, football You know what the team. sexiest thing in the world is, Ari? Beating good teams? A zero on the right. A zero yeah. on the right of your record is the sexiest thing you can have. And, well, and so yeah, that's – I mean – They got to have that. Yeah, well – I, th- I think that that is the sexiest thing that you can have. Uh, but I also think that when you're in Cincinnati's position, it's not enough. So, uh, and a committee has already proven that, I think. So, you know, beating SMU handily and covering the spread, I think, would be a very impressive win for them and, you know, might open some eyes a little bit. But Cincinnati is certainly, you know, in a spot where they can use some help to get in if they're going to be the first group of five team to make it. And obviously, if SMU wins, I think we, it, it recalibrates what we what we talk about with the, the college football playoff standings. You know, Notre Dame's got Georgia Tech this weekend. I don't think Notre Dame's losing again. Uh, they got Georgia Tech and, and Stanford left to go, so they're, they're probably not losing again. I still think you. Uh, it's hard to put an eleven and one Notre Dame in over an eleven and one Cincinnati if that's the case. But we will begin having that debate in earnest if SMU wins this game. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's another game with serious playoff implications that I don't think would be a shocker at all if the team high in the playoff rankings lost, and that is Oregon at Utah Oregon, I believe, is Oregon. Oregon's a three, it's, three point it's not favorite a, in this game. It right? can't be a shocker if the team is a is a, a dog. Oregon is a oh, dog. Oregon's in the this underdog. Game. That's right. I, I'm reading this wrong. Oregon's yeah, a three yeah. point dog in this game. Yes. Sorry. Of course. So yes, of course, it's not a shocker. What is what is one of the mottos of this show? Rankings don't matter. Vegas matters. Yes. So you should rename the show Vegas Matters. Well, it's it's funny because I went to I I wrote it down correctly in our notes. Oregon plus three. And I looked at it, I'm like, wait, did I type that wrong? No, they're, they're favored by three. No, they're not. You're right. They're an underdog in this game. Now, you also know how I feel about Oregon this season, and, and really the past couple seasons. When it's a big game, they show up. This is the biggest game left on the schedule, probably till the next time they play Utah. So I bet they show up. Now, the question is, can they win if they show up even? I think there's some question to that. And I think the natural inclination for a lot of people is just going to take, is going to be take Oregon. But I think ever since they lost to Stanford, the entire country has kind of been sitting back and waiting for it to happen again. You know, and maybe there's some expectation from the, the general audience that they might lose again. You said a month ago that you don't believe that they will and they haven't yet. So I think, you know, you're kind of married to the taking the points scenario here oh, right i am i'm taking oregon in this game I, i'm happy to take oregon in this game because again they're gonna show up also utah giving up 29 to arizona makes me feel a little bit better about oregon's ability to to score in this game and also you know oregon's second half against washington state was quite dominant so if, if they could ever put four quarters together like that there's nobody in the pac-12 that can touch them Okay, so you you think that even if Oregon shows up, they're they're automatically going to win? No, if they I don't think if it's they show up, but I think there's I think there's a better than seventy five percent chance they win if they if they are 
big game Oregon. If they are, yeah, because like, Utah, they, Utah could probably beat shown up Oregon. Can yes, it's possible, but it's a lot less likely. Now, if oh, Oregon sure. plays the way they played against Cal or the way they played against Stanford, they will lose this game, and it, and it won't even be a three point game. It'll it'll be Utah covering pretty thoroughly. So yeah, it'll be interesting too to see like if you if Utah ends up losing this game close. It's just a bad spot for Oregon to be in if they have to play them twice. Oh, yeah. Well, I, here's the thing. The playoff is gone if you lose to them now. So it doesn't matter. I, I don't know that this result matters in terms of anything else for the, the Pac-12 championship game because that, the, the circumstances would be completely different if Oregon comes into the Pac-12 championship game and it's just a, just a trip to the Rose Bowl on the line. I think that's a different game. Can I give you with the uh, playoff the, hanging in the balance? There's there's a lot more pressure on Oregon. The Ari Wasserman uh, thesis on rematches. I think if you lose the first time and then you face that same team and beat mm-hmm. them in the championship game later, that the first game should not count anymore. <laughs> 2017 Georgia agrees with you because they got clobbered by Auburn and then beat the snot out of them in the SEC championship. I think you could have made the case for Oklahoma to make the playoff last year when they beat Iowa State after losing to them in the regular season when it mattered. Like to me they were a two-loss team that got that got yeah. that got eliminated, but in my viewpoint I think there was a, st- a solid case for Oklahoma to be viewed as a one-loss team because avenging the loss I think matters. We use wins and losses as a way to, you know, kind of figure out what we can draw about that team and you know like the for instance any loss earlier on in the year is a clue in terms of how good that team actually is later on so if you use that that first loss as a clue to insinuate or to draw a conclusion that you're the team that you're that loss is flawed and then that team turns around a month later or a week later or two weeks later on a bigger stage with more pressure and beats that team that that beat you first to me I, if i'm a committee member i i kind of it's a wash. If it's Oregon, though, and they take that second loss, I just don't. I don't think. It yeah, matters. no, I don't think. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, and I think it's it's much. It's a much more compelling argument if you lose in September or in October, and then right. you and beat you, them later you on. You're a different you know, team. I think twice in two which weeks, is gonna, which is going to be the weeks. Notre Dame argument if Cincinnati loses. So, uh, this, and I'm this completely is, against you on this, by the way, when it comes to the Cincinnati Notre Dame thing. If Cincinnati loses. Cincinnati is not going to the playoff under any circumstance. I think Notre Dame oh, is already not. basically the is whether Notre Dame would be. I think Notre Dame is basically kind of out. <laughs> I don't think there's really much anything they could do. But if they needed to find a fourth team in a scenario where it's between Notre Dame and Cincinnati, and Cincinnati lost to SMU, Notre Dame would get the nod, in my opinion. And that hypothetical yeah. planet, I, I think I'm very certain that's the way it would it would work out. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we're going to get to that point. So I I, I kind of want to, but that. I know, I know, and I, I, I think you may be right and I may be wrong in that situation, but I, I'm going to stick to my guns of, of if you don't do that. Yeah, and there's also a distinction between principle and reality. Like, in, in yeah. principle, if you have a head-to-head matchup, and I've said this about Ohio State-Oregon, if Ohio State and Oregon are the last two teams in, I take Oregon, scrap all the protocol. I don't care if Ohio State beats a top-10 team six weeks in a row. Resume takes a backseat to head-to-head if there's only two teams being compared. I get that. So, but that's not the way it works. Here's another game. Uh, now, I want to ask you this, because I I don't think there's a shocker possibility in this game, because I wouldn't be shocked if either team won. 
Iowa State is a four-point underdog at Oklahoma. Would you be shocked in the least if Iowa State beat Oklahoma? No. I wouldn't either, especially after the way Iowa State lost last week. It feels like one of those boomerang games where they're a better team than they showed in that Texas Tech loss. Oklahoma's coming off the loss to Baylor. Oklahoma has Oklahoma State the following week. I mean, nothing would surprise me in this game. Not a single thing. Oklahoma might not be good. It's okay to like come to that Distinct realization. Possibility, are you? Distinct yeah. possibility. So, like, an Iowa State is probably the average version of what it's supposed to be this year. You know, maybe a little bit worse than expectations because it's hard to live up to those expectations. But I don't view Oklahoma as the juggernaut that its helmet suggests this year, and that's why I picked them to lose last week. And I would certainly not be shocked if they lost this week. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Now, I, I think. Iowa State, you know, the, the Matt Campbell thing is interesting to me because his record now, you know, we always talk about it, and then Iowa State fans get mad when we talk about him taking another job. His record now makes him a little bit tougher sell if you're one of those big schools. Now, here, here's how I feel about that. And, and I'm, I, I, I'm hopeful, you Iowa State fans who get mad at me every time I mention this, I hope he stays forever for your sakes. But I'm going to tell you right now, even if it's hard to sell, People who pay attention know that the fact that he's gotten Iowa State to this point where we're expecting them to win this much, like that tells you all you need to know about the job he's done there. Because that's a program that was, it wasn't a perennial doormat because Kansas is in the league, but you were like, okay, they're going to win four to five games a year and every once in a while they're going to win seven. This team is consistently good. Like, it, it's and even in the games they lose, they're consistently do. competitive, too. Yes. But it's also like a reminder, too, that if you're a person or a coach that's in Matt Campbell's uh, spot, you know, it's very admirable to take the extension or to want to wait for the right job or to do everything that you can do to, you know, be loyal and also, you know, look out for the right perfect scenario. But it's also just like if you have a chance to strike when the iron is hot and someone's going to back up a Brinks truck into your front yard. You know, it is kind of an interesting thing where it's just like you might as well go when you're wanted because you never know yeah. when a few not that Matt Campbell isn't, but he's not as hot of a candidate right now as he was 12 months ago. So, well, and it, isn't Lincoln Riley going to take 11 billion dollars to go to LSU? That was that that's the rumor this week, right? I don't yeah. think Lincoln Riley is going anywhere, by the way. I, I, I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand the what, what would the reason be for that? I mean, you're at a place where people already love you and you're going into that conference. And it's like, I think you can make a case that LSU could maybe pay a little bit more and that LSU has a more natural recruiting footprint and a job where t- the last two or three coaches, was it the last three have won a national championship? The last three, yes. Um, so, like, I understand that, but I don't know if there's a huge enough difference to to make that jump. Like, you know, from great job to great job in the same conference. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, and look, Oklahoma can pay Lincoln Riley. And, and at a certain point, you're just rich and you're not worried about the... the <laughs> because there's some stupid money figures floating around. $11.5 million, which, I, again, I don't necessarily believe that. I, I'm not exactly sure where that started, but I have, I have a, a suspicion where it started. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's from Lincoln Riley's camp. I don't think that's where it is, where it's coming from. I think that's probably coming from Baton Rouge to to get everybody excited, even though 
it's probably not happening. Uh, the Michigan State thing, the Detroit Free Press report that they're... I was just going to say, are we going to talk about that or what? <laughs> yeah, 10 years, $85 million for Mel Tucker. I know we already talked about the Michigan State game, but look, if LSU's open and you're worried he might go there, USC's open. I don't know that, that, that he's a candidate there, but maybe. Uh, Florida might open. That's another place. If LSU's interested in him, Florida probably would be too. I mean, think about all the different different potential openings. So, I read that that yeah, report I, I is that he's the highest. Lock him down. He's the high. He would be if that if that report is true. The highest paid African American coach in sports, not just college football, but in sports. Yeah. It also wouldn't that reset the market in the Big Ten. I think it would. Because Ryan Day ask, has to has to get get matched. I think at that point. Well, let me ask you this. I know that we've talked a lot about Mel Tucker on this podcast and my initial viewpoint of this being a slow build, but an effective build is not the way it's worked out. He did a great wow. job in the portal and Colton Pouncey wrote our Michigan state writer wrote a great story about how he attacked the portal and got guys mm-hmm. like, I don't know, Kenneth Walker, but yeah. Cabrera is he a, yeah. Like, 12 so like starters. he has not proven to be able to build a program long-term just yet. I'm not saying no, he can't. He's or he been won't. a head coach for three years. So what I'm saying is, is, is it possible that Mel Tucker just took the best alignment of rec- of transfer portal guys, built a mm-hmm. team, and parlayed that one crazy successful offseason into a hundred million dollars? It's entirely possible. It is entirely I mean, think possible. Think about that. Think about yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you think about it that way. Now in college basketball, we've seen this where you know, we, we've seen a coach have a great weekend in the NCAA tournament and then suddenly get a new job and, and, and parlay that into maybe $20 million, a $20 million contract, but not nearly $100 million. <laughs> That is It is crazy when you When I read when that last night, that I was like, I understand that Michigan State, Michigan State is a place where you have to have a coach who gets it. You yeah. have to have somebody who understands the strategy, who has the relationships in the Midwest, who can recruit Ohio. All the things that Mel Tucker possesses on a res- on his resume is exactly what Michigan State's coach needs to have. And I don't know how easy or hard it is to find that. I was floored when I saw that report. I was too, and, and I'm not entirely sure where that's coming from either. That's not the, a piece of gossip that I heard a lot this week. The, the piece of gossip that, that was floating around and I ended up having to write about it uh, was was the somebody somebody kept saying Mac Brown was going to retire, and pe- multiple that. people kept telling multiple reporters that. So I finally just called North Carolina. I'm like, "Is Mac Brown retiring?" And they get, they put Mac Brown on the phone, and he's like, "I'm not retiring. I don't know where this is. He thinks it's coming from an agent. Uh, he did not name the particular agent publicly, but but he thinks it is coming from an agent, and can he we, thinks can it's we just, uh, derail shout out class. Jeremy Sharp at UNC for getting it. Oh yeah. Yeah, he understands that the sports, the sports information director yeah. at UNC. And look, I, I called and said, look, this is going around. And I don't know if it's going to hit the public because it, I, I'm asking you, is there anything to this? And they were very unequivocal that there was nothing to it. Because a lot of times you'll call, you'll hear a rumor and you'll call and, and the person will be like, uh, I don't know, or they won't say anything committal. Or not and take your call. And you know something's up. And I don't know if this happened before or after. When did that story about Mac? I read it, but when did it run again? These days are kind of blending together. It, it ran on Wednesday. So it, it, I talked to him on, on Tuesday. Okay. And 
he said, absolutely not. No, nothing's going on. And my idea was I wasn't going to write anything about it if it didn't reach the public sphere. But that was one of those that multiple multiple of our reporters had heard it. I'm sure other reporters had heard the same thing. And we had heard, we, our reporters had heard it from various people. And so I had a denial from Mac Brown, but my thing was, I, I you know, I'm not going to put it out there and give a rumor oxygen. That doesn't if, deserve it. Yep. Right. But then somebody else reported it. And it's like, okay, well, it's out there now, so I'll, I'm going to ask again. And, and so I you know, spoke to Mac and he said, absolutely not. I am not retiring. I, the, and, and then, you know, said where he thought it came from and we put the story out. But that is, that's how things go this time of year. There's a lot of kind of Well, North Carolina landed a top talking. 100 player out of Virginia on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, like, that that was, was, and I think that was that the other of, coincidental yeah. piece of timing. Yes. And I know that part of the, the element of that story was Mac probably felt like people were trying to get into uh, the train tracks and derail the recruiting success that they were having, you know, because they've been doing such a great job and in, in not just for North Carolina, but all of a sudden two top hundred players, one five-star prospect out of the state of Virginia, you know, and North Carolina has certain, and I actually, you know, I've told people at North Carolina that they broke my heart because this year was supposed to be my stars matter. North Carolina did it out. You know, it was going to be my victory lap. And I, I would it, argue that they don't have the stars all playing yet. That, that maybe yeah. that's bit probably next year. Now, Sam Howell won't be there, but you know, uh, the, got, the fruits of that, because Max first class, those guys are going to be juniors next year. Or well, the, the Max first full cycle class, those guys are going to be juniors. They obviously flip yeah. Sam Howell immediately. Yeah, and they have a they have another quarterback who's, uh, you know, Drake May, who was a top one hundred player who's committed to Bama, who's on the roster right now. So yeah. Luke, you know, Luke, I do, Luke May's little brother, former yeah, North Carolina I, basketball player. Luke I do May. believe I still believe in North Carolina, but they're recruiting at a very very high level for the ACC and top ten class right now, top fifteen class last year. Like the th- the the payoff for that is going to happen eventually. So uh, yeah. if not this year, obviously not. Um, Next year, I will be back on the North Carolina bandwagon. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We left off in the Big 12, and I think here's my potential shocker in the Big 12, and I, I don't have any solid evidence as to why this could happen, but this is the game I feel like it can happen. This is the one where it feels like something weird can happen. Lubbock mm-hmm. at night, Oklahoma State, 10.5-point favorite. Oklahoma State has gotten better and better and better and has looked positively dominant the last two weeks. I mean, they, they destroyed West Virginia, destroyed TCU. They look like they have hit their absolute stride. So now you go to Lubbock, a place where strange things happen. Let's not forget what happened to Texas in 2008. Now, obviously, that was a, a Texas Tech team that went 11-1 in the regular season. But Texas Tech just beat Iowa State 
which is the team that beat Oklahoma State. Texas Tech beat them on a 62-yard field goal. Texas Tech has played differently since the firing of Matt Wells. I, I feel like they've played a little bit better, although they weren't playing badly when he, when he was still there. This is the weirdest season, Ari. Texas Tech has fired its coach, hired its new coach. Meanwhile, its interim coach, Sonny Cumbie, is doing a hell of a job. I'm not laying two scores on the road in that scenario. No, of course you aren't. <laughs> I think that Oklahoma State's going to win, but I'm not putting my money there. Oh, it, but here's the thing, I, Andy. I, I think listen, that this the way is Oklahoma State's been playing, that's a playoff team. This is the spot that a non-lunatic would pick for the spot where things would get a little risky. I'm the non-lunatic. You're you're not the lunatic. I'm going to be the smartest man in the history of college football prognostication. Or I'm going to be the dumbest. Say it. Say it. Say it. No, no. Say it all out loud. Arkansas is going to do what? I believe Arkansas has a very good chance. I'm not going to say going to. Because that's just that's <laughs> clickbait. That's 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 bait. But I think that Arkansas has a chance to play Alabama close and for things to be weird. I, I kind of I alluded to it after the playoff, but they're wrong. three winner of three games, sneaky talented. Alabama, like you corrected me on the other show, is not in Death Star mode. We talked about how much we thought Arkansas was a well coached team and a sneaky talented team earlier on in the year. They had a three-game skid in the middle of the year where things went a little bit off the rails. But if Alabama is looking ahead to a really tough finish or already starting to think about what it's going to be like to play Georgia in Atlanta or Auburn in the Iron Bowl, this team is good enough and well-coached enough to pop you if you're not expecting it. And also, lest we forget, Barry Odom's defense probably played the best game of anybody against that Alabama offense last year, that was practically unstoppable. This offense is not that offense. And you have to be convinced, too. It's like, what What do you think? Do you think Alabama is what the committee thinks, or do you think they're somewhere in the 2, 3, 4, 5, or the 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 range with the rest of them? I think they're, I think they're with the rest of them this year. Me too. Now, they can prove me wrong, because they have, there's, there's one game this year that has made that, that keeps giving me pause. Every time I think about it, I'm like, oh wait, maybe I'm underestimating where Alabama's actually at. Because every time I go back to the Ole Miss game, I'm like, wait a second. That team did that to Ole Miss. And I think if it has that in it, it could beat anybody in the country, any including Georgia. Yeah. Well But the cool thing I don't, about I don't yeah. recall seeing that team any other game this year. And Alabama it's funny because the knock on them is they're number two because they are Alabama and they're in benefit of the doubt mode. They don't have any quality wins. And it's like Lane Kiffin is doing his old team a nice little favor right now. That Ole Miss win is a, is a really yes. quality win. That's a great win. <laughs> Every Especially because Ole Miss happens. is good. Ole Miss is seven and two. And I'm sorry, eight or they're eight and two now. No, seven and two, seven and two. Uh, but they're, they're going to win. They're going to beat Vandy this weekend. So they'll be eight and two. Egg Bowl, you and I have said, is is the most exciting game of the year. So we can't can't wait for that. But that win by Alabama is going to be one of the best wins of the year when it's, we look back. Yeah, I mean Mississippi uh, might be in the top ten on Tuesday. Yeah, and Alabama crushed them. But like I said. 
That's the only time. And now as, as, as Florida goes off the rails, I think back to that game and I'm like, hmm, they only beat that team by two. Now, I, I, granted, Florida was a different team back then. But that also gives me some, some trepidation about Alabama. I think Alabama's going to win this game against Arkansas. I'm just not sure Alabama's going to cover. Yeah, I think I would take the points, and I would not be falling out of my seat shocked if this was a close game in the fourth quarter. Uh, our, our producer, Cam, notes eight and two. Oh, I, I'm, I, again, this is us doing math in real time. Yes, 12 minus two games remaining is 10. So Oklahoma's played 10 games. So they are eight and two. So they will go nine and two. We're not supposed to know Vanderbilt people's speed. records off the top of our head. Come on. There's only so we much information a human being uh, can. I, didn't, I don't know what anyone's record is. We, we not know how many losses but, but the problem, it, it, was, it was basic arithmetic for me, Ari, because I was just <laughs> going, oh, well, they, they, they've lost two. They've got this many games left. So once again, we've screwed that up. So, But I, I do think this, this is going to be a potentially very fun game. I don't think it's going to be the shocker. You think it might be the shocker. So I think Oklahoma State, Texas Tech could be the shocker. You think Arkansas, Alabama could be the shocker. I mean, I'm thinking I mean, one Alabama just hit. doesn't lose games like this. So, you know, maybe I'm just except for the one they game. did earlier this year. Yeah, but Texas A&M, I think, is a little bit. Oh, I guess they. You mean the Texas A&M? Yeah, yeah I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. OK, I know. yeah, I know. I'm I know. just saying. I know, I know. I, yeah. I, and I'm not transitive propertying this. I'm just saying. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. I, I just don't think this Alabama team is what we've come to, what we've grown accustomed to. And so that makes it all very interesting. Yep. Now, you mentioned at the top of the show the give up factor, the pack it in factor. And there's a couple games that look really funky when you look at the lines. And I'll start with. Florida on the road at Missouri is an eight and a half point favorite. You got to be some sort of psychopath to lay two scores on the road in the SEC right now on Florida. Having seen Florida play, Florida just gave up 52 points to Samford. <laughs> I'm not saying Florida they can't gave up beat Missouri 40 by to 10. South Carolina. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying you got to be a psychopath to expect it to happen and to put your money on it. I don't understand this line at all, Ari. Well, Mizzou It's sucks. like they have not watched either of these teams the last three weeks. The fact that it's on the road, too. It's like, so you're going to start laying. It's like, because if Florida has given up on Dan Mullen, they can lose this game. Right. Easily. Easily. So... Let's, let's go through the last few games. Now, it's Vanderbilt, Georgia, and South Carolina. But Missouri actually averaged three and a half yards a carry against Georgia. That's not terrible. But they averaged 6.5 yards a carry against Vandy and 5.6 yards a carry against South Carolina. You've seen Florida play. Like, you saw Florida against LSU. You saw Florida against South Carolina. You saw Florida against Sanford. What makes anybody think they're going to stop Missouri? That's right. No, I know. And the Florida um, LSU game, they got absolutely demolished up front. They did. And LSU hasn't been able to block anybody like that the rest of the year. Yep. So I'm taking the points here what, if I'm betting it, but this, this game is a sicko game. Now, maybe it's, now maybe it's an over game. 
the, the total 69 and a half, because Missouri, the defense has not been great. So Florida's you offense far has not too stopped ready to, to hit overs that are at, at 70 and above. I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying take the over <laughs> in this one. Already, okay. Cause, okay. Cause here's, here's the thing, the give up factor that you mentioned, Florida's offense, I'm not sure it was a case of they just hadn't given up or Samford was just that easy to score on. You know, they did only score 10 against South Carolina, so that that does give me pause. But with Florida, there's also still offensively the possibility of things aren't working. They throw Anthony Richardson in there, and all of a sudden they're they're scoring at will. Yeah, we're still so doing I, this quarterback thing. November 18th is when we're recording it. Well, they're not doing, doing it. No, I Damn know, we're still on, like talking about it. On the Emory Jones train, so. Yeah. 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 I, so the other I just game. It's just, okay, yeah, let's let's go to the other yeah. game. Yeah, let's go to the other game. Texas is a three-point underdog at West Virginia. Now, as we've discussed this, Vegas has figured out that Texas is not good. But only a three-point underdog? They just yeah. lost to Kansas, sorry. <laughs> Have they given up? Is losing to Kansas giving up? Well, whoever leaked the Bo Davis audio after the Iowa State game has given up, for sure. I mean, they, they probably gave up before they even got there. Because anybody who leaked that Bo Davis audio and thought, oh, I'll get him, I'll show him, this will get him fired, all it did was say, wait, somebody, somebody on this team is soft if they think this is going to get Bo Davis in trouble. The monkey thing, too. This is this entire... <laughs> That question that that reporter <laughs> that do we talk about that yet? We've mentioned it obliquely. Not the monkey. The question that 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 weird question that Sark got asked on Monday. Oh yes! Oh my gosh! I, I <laughs> that that question. So I, I feel like I should transcribe the question. It did sound like if you watch Succession, it, it sounded like cousin Greg from succession asking a question at a press conference, basically. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go too deep into that, I, but I will say that I've no, been... No, no, no. We, we need to now that you've brought it up. I mean, listen, there are horrific. some reporters who think that the best way of covering a team is to be the best friends and the biggest cheerleaders for the team. And to me, that was like the most awkward attempt at trying to make the coach like you I've ever heard ever and right, at the same time I'm, like I'm, gonna, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try yeah. this sorry let's see if we got it good morning to you coach Sarkeesian. Good morning, coach a couple of years ago one of my good friends and I were faced with a massive problem we couldn't solve and in his wisdom he said you know at this point we need to stop and ask ourselves what would an extraordinary person do in this situation and this resonated with me the whole weekend and I realized that of all the coaches who could be standing at that podium right now in those shoes, you are that extraordinary person. And you have a team of what I call coaching juggernauts. This is not only my opinion, this is a fact. I don't think anyone could dispute this. It calls them so my question as we write you know, the Sarkeesian era story, we're not even done with the first <coughs> chapter yet, can you unfold some of the onion of what are you working on? How are you solving this problem? I realize that you might not even know, but you know, I'm gonna steal from Julian Edelman. It's gonna be one hell of a story. <coughs> Do you want to How poor Julian Edelman catches a stray at the end of that one, by the way. He's like, what am I? Leave me out of this. Do you, you ever – that could be a bet uh, for future on, on this show. Loser has to unfold an onion. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll unfold it. I won't eat it because I'll puke if I try to eat it. But I'll certainly unfold what I believe you peel the layers of the onion. I don't believe you unfold the onion. But I want to know. Here's my takeaway. I, I want to know what the pro, what was the problem <laughs> that this dude's friend couldn't solve. What problem could you and your friend have that you couldn't solve? I think that we should do a random ranking of like scenarios of where that could that could fit. Yes. Losing I, too much I, I money so to true. a bookie. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of a dead body. I think that I think at least television and movies have taught me there are multiple solutions to to the second problem. So owing too much money to the bookie if you don't have any money is a somewhat unsolvable problem. An unsolvable problem. Uh, your wife wants to leave you and there's nothing you can do to get her back? Absolutely unsolvable. Um I'm trying to think. What else could be an unsolvable problem? How to fix Texas football? <laughs> I think if the reporter who asked that question heard you say that, he would cry. I think he would, too. I don't you think have, that anybody you took have, that loss what, what, what you call a team of coaching juggernauts? They're either the team of coaching juggernauts or they're not. Are they coaching juggernauts? I don't think they are. They lost to uh, to Kansas, so do they you th- can't be. Do you think that if you are uh, the head coach at Texas, you have one of the 15 best coaching jobs in all of football across the world? According to all of our, the, the people we interviewed the NFL. for that best job story, uh, I don't anymore because I would the NFL jobs are better because you don't have to talk to 16-year-olds all the time. Yeah. Some of the NFL jobs. Now, look, there's the Jags job. He's an extraordinary person for being in the job. We what? I I love that the the guy asking the question. You can't debate it. He and his buddy are they are they are admitting they are not extraordinary people. Yeah, because they're saying, what would an extraordinary person do if faced with these circumstances? Because we certainly are not. Well, he also said in the question too that they have a team of of coaching juggernauts and that's a fact that can't be debated and now we're going to debate that i i don't know it it can't be debated but it's not a fact if that makes sense they are most definitely not the loss to kansas proves that point is coach sark a coaching juggernaut that should be the title of the episode he is he is when he's got mac jones and Devontae smith i just don't think anybody can debate that I, I'm still on. I'm still on the unsolvable problem. I, you you I, think I'm that I was? You thought that I was pro Texas? You thought that I had a Texas problem? <laughs> oh, I I just don't get. And, and I, listen, kudos to Steve Sarkeesian for for answering that question and not blowing up at the guy because I I think it's it, most of us could not handle getting their butts kissed publicly for that long. Everybody likes to be complimented. Nobody likes to be complimented for, for a long time or publicly. Like, that is uncomfortable. Well, it was also, it, was, it wasn't just a compliment. It was, it was uncomfortably hyperbolic. Oh, yeah. It's, like, oh, yeah. it's not like just like you're a, co- you're a good coach. It's like, and then you, you're a superhero, You're Steve. a superhero who saved lives <laughs> and donates money to the poor and feeds the hungry oh, and God. solves world peace problems. Just like and he also Sark's like, dude, I was I was like 500 in Washington. I don't I don't know what we're yeah, talking I about know, here. Yeah, I, I honestly just lost to Kansas. Please cut me some slack. <laughs> Please leave it. Please stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. I, I honestly I, I don't even know. Never... I bet you coaches just black out up there and don't even, you know, half the time they just, you know, wait till the last portion of the question and try their best to answer. I don't even like if I were up there and somebody asked, I wouldn't even know what the what what to say. Well, what's that. interesting is this is I find this as someone who's heard a lot of really dumb questions at press conferences. Usually when they ramble like that or or engage in what our our own Sam Con Jr. calls question foreplay. <laughs> and that was some serious heavy question petting right there. But usually there's no point at the end of the question. The person just wanted to hear themselves talk and they they squirted it out and and made a statement. This guy and this is what amazes me about this particular question. He had all the question foreplay. Basically every sort of variety of question foreplay you could have. Took a have. hard left with Julian Edelman. Yes. But he actually got to the question. The the gist of the question, and this is how a normal human being would have asked it, is, Steve, how do you solve your losing to Kansas problem? Like, that's a legitimate question. No, no. His, his question was, how do you fix the program? That's even better. It's even more legitimate. And it's like, I don't even know how a person can answer that question. Andy, how could you solve uh, world hunger? <laughs> yeah, how, how can you bring peace to the Middle East? Yeah. How can you fix Texas football? All of these questions are the same difficulty level. All of them. Oh, boy. Yeah, and by the way, I'm just uh, I'm laying the points. Texas ain't doing anything. I, I, I'm fading Texas every week, and it's been, it's been awesome. My life is better. I'm happier. I taste, I taste again. I see colors more vividly. <laughs> the the burnt orange is more burnt. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ari, you're an extraordinary person. Thanks, buddy. You are a podcasting you juggernaut, or you you are what I call a podcasting juggernaut. Can that be debated? It cannot. It most certainly cannot. We will talk to you after the games.